Hey, welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more info, you can check us out on Facebook at Life Church of Columbia. I really need you to understand my title. Hey Siri, what does delegate mean? As a noun, it means a person sent or authorized to represent others, in particular an elected representative sent to a conference. Do you want to hear the remaining one? I do. Yes. As a verb, it means entrust, a task or responsibility to another person, typically one who is less senior than oneself. Did y'all catch that? To entrust to another. To carry on a task on behalf of somebody else. Usually a superior. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. He's talking about the body of Christ. How many knows that the dominion of God has been entrusted to the body of Christ? Amen. Do y'all, can y'all get a hold of this? Because I'm going to throw out some heavy statements. Amen. Uh, that God worked his will through the Christ while he was on this earth. And then Christ done the will of God and left this earth and left his spirit in us and with us that we would continue that work. I need you to understand it's our responsibility. Amen. Somebody help me preach. Look at your neighbor and tell them it's your responsibility. The state of affairs is your responsibility. The condition of our nation is. Oh, come on. Do y'all believe in your Bible or not? Amen. So we're going to assume responsibility today. And let me tell you, when I begin to seek the face of God concerning this, I don't know if I really like the answer or not because it turns all eyes back on the body of Christ. Are y'all ready to go with me? Amen. I want to give you some scriptures to start off with in the book of Genesis, chapter number one, verse number 26. If you've been under my ministry very long at all, you know I believe that every principle begins in the book of Genesis. Matter of fact, if any principle, even in the Old Testament, cannot be tied to the book of Genesis, it could be false doctrine. God established it all. In the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter number one, verse number 26 says, and God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let him have what? Talk to me, church. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, over the cattle and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created him male and female created he them. And God blessed them and said unto them, be fruitful (laughs) and multiply and replenish the earth and come on somebody. And subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. I want to pull another scripture out of Matthew. I mean, I'm sorry, Psalms. Chapter number eight, verse number four. You can read it on the screen, but make sure you write it down. I want you to have this. The psalmist says, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that you would visit him. For you made him a little lower than the angels and crowned him with glory 
and honor. For thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands and has put what? Has put all things under his feet. Go with me to the book of Matthew chapter number 16. I really wanted that in the Amplified, but I didn't tell you. Matthew 16, 18, and 19. I don't know if you can do that or change it or whatever, which is all right. Wow, he done done it. I'll just read off the screen. I'm going to do 18 and 19, Jason. Jesus said, and I say unto you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not overpower it by preventing the resurrection of Christ. I will give you the keys. I will give you the authority of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind. The reason you have those words in parentheses is because that's what the Greek means right there. Whatever you bind. Whatever you forbid are declared to be improper and unlawful on the earth will have already been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose, which means permit, declare, or lawful on the earth will have already been loosed in heaven. What a responsibility. Last Sunday, we presented a defense uh, for Jesus Christ. Amen. And we went to great lengths to prove to you the existence, the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Well, today my assignment is enormous because today I'm going to present a defense for the character and the nature of our God. <laughs> How many times have you said or thought or heard someone else say, if God does exist, or if he's such a good God, why didn't he answer my prayer? Now, I know you can't say nothing right now, but if you've been through enough, that might have ran through your mind. Why didn't he answer my prayer? Or if he's such a loving God, why does he allow so much pain and suffering. Why didn't God give me a miracle? I prayed. I believed. I did this. I did that. Why didn't I get a miracle? Let me tell you something. The devil is an opportunist. And it's in times of distress. Now I know you ain't going to be able to say anything. Because you wouldn't want to admit these things run through your head. But the devil is an accuser of our God. He's an opportunist. And in times of distress, he starts shooting these fiery darts of accusation against our God. And, and let me tell you something. This ain't nothing new. You're not the first and you won't be the last. You remember the psalmist David in Psalms 42 and 3 said, My tears have been my food day and night while they're saying to me all day long, Where is your God? How many of the times has the devil asked you, Where's God now? Where's your God? Amen. Why ain't God doing anything about your situation? Does he even care? Thank you. 
Let me tell you what. These kind of questions actually become fiery darts of discouragement in the devil's arsenal that he harasses us with. When in reality, these questions are actually a product of ignorance and bad theology. <laughs> oh, y'all, y'all love me? You trust me? You want to hear from God today? I said these questions, even though we, we've had them, Amen. And we've all struggled with them. But today I come to tell you the truth. And you shall know the truth. And the truth's going to set you free. And you're, I'm about to disarm the enemy from all these weapons that he uses against you in the most trial, trying times of your life. Uh, I'm reminded of the religious crowd, Sister Lindsay. They was actually questioning Jesus with their own twisted theology. And Jesus' response was in Matthew twenty two twenty nine. 29. And Jesus answered unto them and said, You do err not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. The word err means to roam from safety. The word err means to wander out of the way. Jesus said, you do err not knowing the scripture, meaning your theology is bad. And as a result, it's affected your perception of God. Are y'all listening to me? That's what Jesus said. He said, you do err not knowing the scriptures. Amen. Your theology is so bad, you have a twisted view of God. He said, because also you don't know the power of God or the ability of God. Can I tell you, you'll never understand the power of God until you understand God. So if the devil can mess up our theology, it destroys divinity in our mind. It destroys sovereignty in our minds. Amen. And as a result of your lack of understanding, it's caused you to wonder or to roam from your faith and your confidence in God. If I ever needed life church prayers, I need it today because I'm after something this morning. Amen. I said as a result of the lack of understanding in the body of Christ, it's caused many to wander out of the way. Amen. To lose their faith and confidence in God. Some of it... <laughs> Some of them has gotten so bad that they've quit the church, but the multitudes are still sitting under the sound of the voice of the preacher in deep discouragement because they do not understand if God could be so good, then why am I going through what I'm going through? If God is so good, then why are we bombarded every day with so much chaos and death and destruction? So my objective today is to defend the nature and the character of God by correcting error with the truth of the word. Are you ready to receive it? What do you do with questions like, why don't God save them? What do you do with questions like, why don't God give me a miracle? What, what do you do scripturally and theologically? What do you do with scriptures with, why don't God heal me? Or why don't God heal others when I pray for them? Well, what if I told you today that God does not get to decide who gets saved? I 
Uh, chew on it a while. Don't kick me out. What if I told you God does not get to decide who gets saved and who don't? If, if God got his way concerning who would be saved, there'd be no need for a preacher. Come on now. You're going you're gonna to have to think today and you're going to have to give me time to lay a foundation. I said, if God got to decide who was going to be saved, I wouldn't have to preach to you. You wouldn't need a Bible. Is anybody listening to me? There would be no need for a prayer meeting. There'd be no need for discipleship groups. Why? Because all would be saved because my Bible says it's not God's will that any should perish. So if God got to decide who was going to be saved, everybody would be saved. Can I get a witness from somebody out there? Amen. <laughs> well, now that one there is easy to get by with. Uh, amen. Because all men must come to God by faith. Amen. And, and we know according to the Bible, everybody's not going to come because so, some will end up in hell. Amen. So based on that, can I say to you, God don't get to decide who goes to heaven and God don't get to decide who goes to hell. I thought it'd be quiet in here today. God don't get to decide. Amen. You get to decide. Come on. Thank you. You get to decide. Well, if that concept is true, if God don't get to decide who gets saved, then God don't get to decide who gets healed. We seem to believe that God is sitting in heaven, looking down, deciding who he will heal and who he won't. We just got to think based on whatever mood he's in. And when I pray, if I catch him in the right mood, he may decide, I'm going to do it for you today. But, 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 but what if I catch him in a bad mood? Which begs the question, does God ever get in a bad mood? <laughs> I mean, come on, we got we to gotta tweak our theology. We got to check our theology so we can tear down some accusations that's coming from our enemy. Amen. So, so if God don't get to decide who gets saved, then scripturally, he don't get to decide who gets healed. Peter said, uh, I have perceived that God is no respecter of persons. I like another translation. It says, I am certain that God doesn't show favoritism with people, but treats everyone on the same basis. So God would be an unjust God that I wouldn't want to serve and you wouldn't want to serve if he says, okay, I like you, but I don't like you. So I'm going to give you a miracle, but I'm not going to give you a miracle. Amen. And, and, and you have social standing or you have this. And so because of that, I choose you and I don't choose you. My Bible says God is no respecter of person, but what he'll do for one, he'll do for the other. Huh? Am I preaching the Bible? Amen. So where have we come up with this theology? Amen. That God just decides who he's going to heal and who he's not going to heal or who he's going to bless or who he's not going to bless. If God got to decide who would be healed, there would be no need for prayer lines. 
<laughs> I said, if God got to decide who was going to be healed, there'd be no need for the gift of faith. There'd be no anointing oil in our churches. There would be no need to call for the, I come to defend God today, amen. If God got to decide, amen, there would be no need. Why? Because all of his children would be healed, amen. Has anybody got children more than one? Amen. Has anybody got more than one? Well, what would you do, amen, if all three was sick? Would you define them? Amen. Would you decide, okay, I'm going to heal this one today, but I'm not going to heal that one. Amen. <laughs> I'm talking about your heavenly father. Why have we embraced such a doctrine? And even if it's not taught, it's thought. Woo! I told you I got a big assignment today. If God got to decide who was going to be saved or healed, there'd be no sinners and there'd be no sickness. Amen. As a matter of fact, I know you're probably having trouble with the fact that I'm saying God don't get the side. But the truth of the matter is, your Bible says in the book of Revelations, the lamb was slain from the foundations of the world. In other words, God already decided from the foundation of the world that all could be saved. God already decided from the foundation of the world that all could be healed. Can y'all receive this doctrine today? God done decided from, that means before he ever created the world, he said, I'm going to pay the price that whosoever will can come to me and be saved. Whosoever will can come to me and be healed. God decided before he ever created the world, before he ever said, let there be light, he decided, amen, I'm going to make a way where everybody can receive the fullness of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Isaiah said, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. You know what that tells me? You want to know if it's his will? He has bruises to prove it's his will for your redemption. He has stripes to prove it's his will you be healed. He has scars in his hands and his feet to prove it's his will for you to be saved. Therefore, salvation, healing, a blessing. Y'all ready for this bombshell? A miracle. It's not a matter of God deciding to or not deciding to. But rather, it's a matter of your faith. It's a matter of you exercising delegated dominion over your situation. Can I, can I just work in a little while? I can't swap your theology if you don't get truth. I read you the Genesis principle where the Bible says that God created he said, let us create man in our own image and in our own likeness. And the Bible says he did, and he gave them dominion. Amen. 
And if you read it real close, just to stay true to the scripture, he didn't give him dominion over the realm of the spirit. Did you notice that? He gave him dominion over the natural realm. Fish, fowl, animals, the earth. Subdue it. Conquer it. And the Bible says he created man and blew the breath of life in him and gave him dominion over the earth. God did not relinquish, but delegated dominion to his creation. Is it in your Bible? So when man decided to blow it, when man decided, amen, to give up the title deed to what he owned, God had already relinquished dominion to the man so he couldn't come in and break his word. Or he's not a just God. He couldn't come in and stop him because to do so would to take from him the free will to make a decision. And the only thing that separated man from being an animal is, amen, that God gave me and you the opportunity and the privilege to make a decision. Is anybody listening to me? That's what made us so special. Amen. That God honored man. Amen. He said, I don't want slaves. I don't want robots. I don't want animals. I want mankind. I want a family. And I'm going to relinquish my dominion to you on the earth. And once I relinquish it to you, it is your responsibility to steward the domain that I have given you. Are y'all okay? So man blew it. So man blew it. But now God was in a fix because God is a just God. God is a just God. And he said, I've already given you dominion. I can't step back in, take it back from you because I'm not happy with your choices. You know, some people are wanting God to do that for people they're praying for right now. They want God to step in and make your choices for you. Amen. Amen. We're actually believing and praying for God to come in to people's lives that are making bad decisions. Amen. But if he's going to do it to them, then you should allow him to do it to you. See, we only want him to do it when it benefits us. It's going to get deep in here today. But he blew it. So God said, I can't go down and fix it. Amen. Because I relinquished dominion to man. So God said, I know what I'm going to do. I need another man. I got to have a man. I got to have a man. I got to have flesh. I got to have blood and bones because I can't legally go into the earth and fix what's wrong. I got to have a man. Amen. So God had to wrap himself in flesh. He had to become human and he had to come through the doors of life, which was a womb of a woman. Amen. He had to enter the same doors. Is anybody listening to me? Or he would be <coughs> illegally trespassing in an area that he had given to man. So the Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And Jesus came, God wrapped in the flesh, and he then had the, he, he could legally begin to fix what Adam messed up. He could legally begin to dominate. He could legally begin to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus lived for three and three and a half years. Amen. 
But before he left, I see Jesus doing the same thing his father did. He stood before his disciples and the Bible says he blew into them and said, now I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means. He is now doing the same thing the father did, but the father gave man dominion over the natural. Jesus came and gave you dominion over the supernatural. Oh, I wish somebody would catch this teaching. Amen. He said, because I'm leaving. I'm with you, but I'm going to be in you. But before I go, I'm going to give you the dominion over the realm of the Spirit. Is anybody listening to me right now? And when he did what became the dominion of one man called Jesus Christ became the dominion of the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter number one. Matthew 10 and one. And when he called unto him his 12 disciples, catch, catch the verbiage of your Bible. He gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of diseases. That pretty well covers it, don't it? That don't exclude you. Are are y'all with me? He gave them power. He gave them the authority. He gave them the dominion against unclean spirits to cast them out to heal all manner of sicknesses and all manner of diseases. In verse number seven of that same chapter, he said, and as you go preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Verse number eight, he said, read it with me on the screen out loud. He said, heal the sick. Did he say, I'm going to come heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out devils. Or did he say, I authorize you and deputize you to go and heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out the devils. Why? Because freely you have received it. I need you to freely. I ain't seeing no light bulb come on in John Edwards' eyes. I'm going to preach until he gets it. He's asleep. Y'all better wake him up or we're going to be here all day. <laughs> come on, we got to get this because we're going to turn this thing live, church. Jesus was praying to the Father and said, the glory which you gave me, I gave it to them. Reach over and shake your neighbor and say, you got it. You got it. He gave it to you. He gave it to you. Jesus was so excited. He said, Father, you know the gift of authority and power and dominion you gave me? Guess what I did? I took it and I gave it to them. I gave it to them. No wonder when Peter came to the crippled man, he didn't say, oh God, would you please heal this man? He looked at that man and said, such as I have, I give it unto you in the name of Jesus. Rise up. Is anybody in this church and we're oh God oh God would you please heal 
It's not in your Bible. This message was so big that I started texting men of God and women of God that I trust and said, throw, you know, shoot darts through my theology. Knock it down. If it ain't true, knock it down. If you can find anything I don't know, knock it up. I don't want to. I pray, God, you, you correct me if I'm wrong or am I on the right track? <laughs> Amen. And I asked a brother of mine up in Kentucky. I said, we were back and forth texting. Amen. And I said, how would your prayer change if you believed? this and he texted me back and said what kind of prayer are you talking about and I said the prayer for the sick and he texted back a question that rocked me he said did Jesus pray for the sick oh I got you thinking don't I did Jesus pray? Do you know one? You're a Bible scholar, right? <laughs> he is not answering anything. <laughs> Did Jesus pray for the sick? Can anybody throw me out of scripture right now where Jesus prayed for the sick? I said, oh my God. Then I knew what he's, an, he's a teacher. I knew what he was trying to get me to say. He said, I tell you what I find. I find Jesus praying a lot. I find Jesus praying a lot. I find Jesus praying all the time. He would go to the mountain and pray. He did He would spend time with a father. But when he got out in the public, he didn't do much praying. He just started walking by people saying, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. In the name of Jesus, woman, you are healed. Woman, thou art loose. Is anybody in this place? I'm talking about perfect theology go your way your faith has made you I can't find a place I found one place where and we went it sounded like one of them old records you don't even know what records are do you remember them tapes where we'd stick our finger in there Stick a pencil there and turn. Fast forward. <laughs> One time, Jesus even said, Father, I know I don't have to pray right now, but for their sake... Is anybody listening to me? One time for their sake. But I don't hear Jesus saying, oh God, would you please raise Lazarus from the dead? He said, Lazarus! <laughs> Oh, that felt good. Lazarus, you ought to try that. Lazarus, come forth. Oh my God, if Jesus is perfect theology, our prayer is an indictment against us uh, that our theology is all messed up and we think we're rolling dice when we pray, hoping today God is in a good mood. This is too much, ain't it? He said, I give you the keys. Jesus said, <coughs> I give you the authority. What do you do with this stuff? Why, why have we not taught it? Why are we not working with it? Why are we not? Instead of just praying and saying, oh, well, today wasn't your day.
Thank you. You do err, not knowing the scripture, nor the power of God. That's what I hear Jesus saying. You do err. You're jacked up. <laughs> You're jacked up because you don't know scripture. Therefore, you don't understand the power of God. You think the power of God is a gamble when the power of God is consistent. It's consistent. Is anybody listening to me? It's all there is to say. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He just needs a delegate. He needs a delegate. He needs an ambassador through who can release the power that's already been allotted. I feel like this is going over better than I thought. In the book of Mark, chapter number nine, there was a man with a demonic son. Y'all remember him? And the devil throwed him, the Bible says in 22, the demon, this is the dad. The demon has often thrown him both into the fire. Now, now remember, he brought them to the church. He brought his son to the church. And asked the disciples, would y'all take care of this devil? And they couldn't. They couldn't. They couldn't get the job done. And so now they're standing. Jesus and three is up on the Mount Transfiguration, remember? Peter, James, and John, and Jesus is up there. Nine were down here. And right in the midst of the discussion, because they could not demonstrate power, they started discussing Scripture. I think we're better at discussing Scripture than... And Jesus walked up and said, what, what are y'all arguing about? And the man said, well, I brought my son to your disciples and they couldn't do nothing with him. So then the man says, well, the demon has often thrown him into the fire and into the water intended to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said unto him, you say to me, if you can? Question mark. That's what it says in the original. Jesus looked at the man and said, you said to me, if you can? And he turns the whole thing around and said, all things are possible to you if you can believe. And immediately the father of the boy, verse 24, cried out saying, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. You see, the father put all the weight on Jesus. And his ability. Well, if you can. If you can, would you heal him? And then he went from Jesus to the church and said, I brought them to them and they couldn't do it. So here's the man blaming Jesus 
and blaming the church. And Jesus turns it upside down and says, you're asking me if I can? Let me ask you, where's your faith? So now he's not blaming Jesus. He's not questioning Christ. He's not questioning the church. He now has to look inside and say, oh my God, my faith level is too low to conquer this situation. So Lord, would you help my faith? Maybe our prayer needs to change from God to do a thing for God to begin to stir the faith in me that produces the miracle. Oh, I, didn't, I, I just didn't, I knew you weren't going to like the answer to all your questions. Listen to this. So the Bible says, of course, Jesus said, devil, get out. Devil, get out. And then when they got in the private place, the disciples come to Jesus and said, Lord, why couldn't we cast him out? They didn't say, why didn't God do it? They didn't say, Jesus, why didn't you do it? At least they had good theology. At least they, is anybody listening to me? At least they understood the problem. Because they said, Lord, why couldn't we perform on the level that you blew into us to perform? It's the trick of the devil when he can get you to questioning God. Is anybody listening? Oh, I'm going to make a statement. I found it's easier to blame God than to assume the responsibility that... Oh, thank you, somebody. I said, I found it's easier for me to blame God instead of me saying, oh, God, help me to walk in the power. Help me to walk in the demonstration. God, stir my faith to release the power of God in every situation. But see, it leaves me unchecked when I could just blame God. The God, they didn't question God's goodness or his ability. They wanted to know what's wrong with me. What's wrong with me? We got too many shiny-shoed, slick-headed preachers going around telling you how good you are and you're accepted in the blood. And I believe every bit of that, amen? You're forgiven, living in total unforgiveness. And everybody said, oh, you're so forgiven. No, if you got unforgiveness in your heart, true theology says you ain't forgiven and God can't forgive you. Now, let's just get real this morning. Are you listening to me? Oh, I know he loves you and I know all of that. Amen. But my God, when are we going to come to the realization I got to assume responsibility for my actions? I got to assume responsibility for my speech? Is anybody listening to me? Holiness? I got to assume responsibility for my thoughts. God don't come down and just take my thoughts and keep them holy. Uh, he said, you cast down every thought and bring it under obedience. I got to throw some things down. 
We have created a bunch of spoiled brats that are mad at the father because he ain't pulling his wallet out and says, here you go, son. What do you, yeah, what do you want? There's you one and you one. Uh, you've, done, you've been a little better. There's you a 20. Amen. Anybody got a penny for Colby? Uh, I mean, uh, hey, listen to me. Uh, we're, we're mad at God because he's just not doling out the money. That's all I got. Don't lose that. That's really not yours. It's mine in the name of Jesus. <laughs> hey, hey, listen to me. We're mad at God. Amen. And God's standing up there saying, are you kidding me? Look at my stripes. Look at my hands. Look at my bruises. I died from the foundation of the world. So you could walk up to things and say in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Is anybody in this place? I come to defend a holy God. Job. You want to question me? Where was you when I blew breath? Where was you when I spoke to the mountains, Job? You want to question me? Where was you when I caused universes to leap into existence? And you want to talk to me? You do err, not knowing the scripture or the power of God. You have strayed. When in reality, God said, I'm so restrained. I'm so restrained. My heart's broken for that situation. I'm perplexed over that. Everybody do this. Everybody stick your hands out. But God said, those are the only hands I can reach with. Those are the only hands I can touch with. Those are the only hands. Because I gave you the dominion over the work of my hands. I gave you the Is anybody in this place? And God, I saw God. Amen. He's a quadriplegic. Your God is a quadriplegic. Because he's got a great mind. But his hands won't move. His feet won't walk. One of my best friends at school become paralyzed from the neck down. He was a, he was, he could do anything. He was just sharp. He could fix anything. Just, I'm worried about my money. Would you get it all back in there? I can't preach. I, I can see Stephen. He's hiding it in socks and everything else. <laughs> And just sitting there talking to him, and he still got it up here, but it will not transmit to here. (laughs) And it won't transmit to there. Can you imagine? I never appreciated it as until it happened to my friend. Can you imagine how frustrating it is to still want it, to still think it? to still know it and I can't get my body to respond to it I say God has become quadriplegic amen and we're having to get a handicap scripture uh, uh, handicap sticker for our God and we got to have special parking places for our God and we're having to defend God when in reality if the body ever comes alive and starts operating in the intended power Can I tell you something else? God don't get to decide how close you get to him. Huh? Man up, dude. You're as close to God as you want to be. 
I got a scripture for that too. In, I think it's in the book of James. Submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and God, you mean God responds to earthly activity? You're so inactive. He said, come on, make your move. Uh, I can't just barge into your life and take over. I, I can't just barge into your life and take over. You would be no different than a slave or an animal or a harlot or anything else. Are you listening to me? No, I gave you the dignity and the honor. Amen. So it's you that decides. He who sows so sparingly, reaps sparingly. You're eating from the crops you planted. And if you're starving, it's because you didn't plant enough. I don't know why God don't bless me. He said, it will be measured back to you with the same measuring cup that you doled it out in. Wow. Are y'all with me? <laughs> they said, I think this, this, Jesus needs to hear this coming out of some prayer closets. Lord, why were we not able to do that? Lord, why? Why did I lay hands on them and them didn't get healed? See, that's whole different from God, why didn't you heal them? Once you go there, you do err not knowing the scriptures and all the power of God. But it is legal to say, oh my God, I'm missing something. I'm, I'm missing something. I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a point here in a minute, but I'm not ready yet. Are y'all still with me? Write this down. They, they prayed. It didn't work. They went to a secret place with Jesus. And again, that would be called prayer. And said, Lord, we got, we, we got to know some stuff. Isn't it amazing if your lawnmower don't crank, you try to find out why. <laughs> Isn't it amazing if your car won't crank, you'll raise the hood. And if you don't know what you're doing, you'll start touching wires. <laughs> huh? Anything. Anything you got, if it don't work, what do you do? You at least start wondering, hmm, wonder why that don't work. Why is it in the kingdom we can pray? And think nothing about it if it don't work. I'm just taking y'all into my prayer closet. Have you ever had a car <laughs> that you didn't never know if it was going to crank or not? Huh? Oh, y'all, y'all been rich all y'all's life? When we was growing up, we had an old 50-something Chevrolet that didn't even have reverse in it. So we always thought ahead. While you was looking for a parking place, we was looking for an incline. Oh, y'all ain't listening to me. Y'all don't know. I, I'm telling you. That's, that's the way I came up. Amen. We was looking for the way out when we come out. We, <laughs> I'm about to get sidetracked right there. I can't stop. Pull back. Pull back. 
But when you got something that don't work more than it does work, you don't have a co- lot of confidence that it's going to work. So you really say, uh, we might ought to take your car. Is anybody listening? That's the prayer life of many. The reason I'm not in my... The reason that prayer is not my first option instead of my last option is because it ain't never really worked like it ought to work. So I'm not sure if it's going to work this time. So can I borrow some money? Can I get a prescription? Is anybody in this place? Amen. What if we brought it back? Let's bring prayer back with a mullet. What do y'all think? Let's, let's bring it back. I ain't never seen so many mullets in all my life. Amen. Let's, let's bring it back to where, amen, we don't suffer many things from many positions and then 12 years in, come to Jesus. Jesus said, I want your prayers to be answered so your joy may be fulfilled. Your joy may be full. Somebody's looking at me like, there's a catch to this message. You better believe it. I said that to say this. Every, write this down. Every unanswered prayer should spark a diligent inquiry, not accusations. Yeah. That's what God said to me. Every Unanswered prayer should spark an inquiry, not accusations against God. The disciples were saying, what happened? What happened? Why could not we operate like we know we're supposed to operate? Some of us are scared to ask that question. We're scared to ask that question. Number one, when you ask it, you start assuming responsibility. You can't blame God no more. And number two, Jesus' answer was because of your unbelief. And he went on to make another statement. However, bend your inquiring. These kind will only come by prayer and fasting. In other words, what he was saying is, there is a level and a degree of supernatural dominion over demonic powers that not many people get to walk in because we don't like to pray and we don't like to fast. All Jesus was really saying is, if you want to operate with that kind of control, lean in. Come close. God Almighty. Write that down, somebody. Lean in. Let's make some t-shirts. Lean in. Lean in. So I begin to meditate upon that. And even when I say that, because you do err not knowing scripture, you'll think, okay, if I can fast enough and pray enough, God will do it. Are y'all seeing where I'm trying to turn this thing upside down so it'll be right side up? If I fast enough and pray enough, God will do it. So then we go to fasting and praying with a wrong motive in error of the scripture. Still trying to get God to do something that's already done. So my whole pursuit is in error. 
What Jesus is trying to tell them is, the only thing robbing you from releasing a miracle is you. It's your flesh. It's your doubt. It's your unbelief. And the only thing that deals with flesh is prayer and fasting. Come on now, I'm being pastoral this morning. Are y'all getting it? You don't fast and pray so God will do something. You fast and kill the flesh until its voice is so quiet and your vision is so clear. All you can hear is what God has done and all you can see is the man made whole. Oh my God, are y'all getting this stuff today? But it's a whole lot easier to walk around offended at God, questioning His character. Can I, can I give you a few more scriptures? Listen to this. I want you to start looking for this in scripture. Write down Luke 10, 17. Now I want to read this out of a different translation than the King James Version, although it's the same thing, but it puts it in understandable words. I want y'all to listen to some terminology. Are y'all still with me? I'm still preaching. I'm just not, I'm just not screaming. Jesus, Brother Jerry, Jesus brought his 70 blew into them, anointed them, said, go into every city and heal the sick. Leave peace. If they want peace, leave peace. If they don't, dust your feet off and go somewhere else. They went out on a rampage. These 70, Jesus said, blew into them, and they're just, they're just destroying the works of the devil everywhere they go. Amanda listed to scriptures. It says, when the 70 missionaries returned to Jesus, they were ecstatic with joy, telling him, Lord, even the demons obeyed us when we commanded them in your name. Are y'all seeing the terminology now? The demons obeyed who? Obeyed who? He obeyed me. Now, of course, I'm standing in your name. And I'm doing everything in the authority you give me. Don't get me wrong. But I need you to understand. They understood theology and said demons are obeying us when we command them to get out. Oh, you got passion up there. I wasn't going to tell you the translation. 18, Jesus replied, while you were ministering, I watched Satan topple until he fell suddenly from heaven like lightning to the ground. This insinuates that Jesus was miles from them watching in the spirit and while they were binding devils, strongholds was falling to the ground. That's a powerful thought. Now that can be debated theology, but it's still a powerful thought. This can't be debated. He said, now you understand I have imparted to you all of my authority to trample over his kingdom. You will trample upon every demon before you and overcome every power Satan possesses. Absolutely nothing will be able to harm you as you walk in his authority. However, your real source of joy isn't that the Spirit submit to your authority. That ain't never stood out to me like it does now. 
He said, you really shouldn't just be shouting because devils are what? Submitting to your authority. Delegated authority. But that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And that you belong to God's kingdom. Because this is the true source of authority. In other words, you shouldn't really just be enamored that devils obey you. You should be enamored that you're a son of God. Are y'all getting this stuff today? This changes everything. So the question is, why am my prayers not being answered? Why did I talk to that devil and he didn't obey me? It's because it's all about power. Listen to me now. It's all about who's stronger. This this ain't between God and the devil now. Because he took care of the devil in Colossians on the cross. This is between you and the devil. So the question is, who is stronger? I got to back that up with a scripture. That's just too much not to back up with a scripture. I got one for you. Just hold on. Where's it at? My sound man back there is working it like crazy. Uh, Jason, give me Luke eleven twenty in the King James Version. I want to read Luke 11 verses 20 through 22. Can you find that? Jesus is walking around casting out devils and he said, but if I with a finger of God cast out devils. Now he's revealing his source of power. There's no doubt about it. But he said, but if I with the finger of God cast out devils, then no doubt the kingdom of God has come upon you. Here it is. It's all about power and strength. When a strong, this is the devil here. Talking about the devil, not God. When a strong man arm keeps his palace, his goods are in peace. Next verse. Somebody say it real loud. But when a stronger than he comes up to him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor and spoils his goods. Tell your neighbor, it's about power. It, tell your other neighbor, it's about who's the strongest. So Taylor, based on the doctrine I'm presenting you, if the strong man is not bowing, it's because he was stronger than me. So, so what do you do when he's stronger than you? Thank you. You do what the Bible says. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on strength. 
Somebody help me. Quit blaming and put on strength. Well, you can't put on strength. Kobe, you're a weightlifter. Amen. You can't. I think your goal was to bench press 90 or something like that. Have you got there yet? Amen. Keep up, son. You'll get there. Amen. Uh, are you listening to me? Well, Kobe, you can't get stronger if you just keep working out with the same weight, right? Amen. And you can't stand in front of a mirror and say, muscles, why ain't you doing what you... No, you got to add a little bit. You got to add. Is anybody listening to me? You got to fast a little bit. You got to pray a little bit. You got to lean in. Somebody help me. You got to lean in until you get so strong. that you quit praying for the sick. (laughs) Did y'all catch that? You get so strong that you can't even pray like you used to pray. You get so strong that you, oh my God, you sorry, stinking devil, I command you. Oh, I got one for you. Let's go back to the New Testament church. Amen. They so walked in this kind of strength and authority. The Bible says when they heard they was coming to town, they lined the people down the street and they just walk it out, walk it out. And their shadows, people were getting out of wheelchairs. Is anybody listening to me? Their shadows was healing people. They wasn't They weren't begging God to do a thing. They expressed the kingdom of God. They released the kingdom of God. This is too much, guys. This is true theology. You're as strong as you want to be. You're as close as you want to be. Oh, I want to lose weight. <laughs> oh, yeah, what are you doing? I see you got honey bun crumbs in your beard. I want to lose weight. Somebody help me. It makes me feel better about myself if I can say I want to. It makes me feel better about myself if I say I want to see signs and wonders and miracles. Are you listening to me? Amen. Well, turn the TV off. Get under the carpet instead of on the carpet. Is anybody listening to me? Push a plate back until you get so weak you're strong again. Oh, my God. Push the plate back until you get so weak. Something rise. Shut up. It's like God has been taking my prayers and throwing them back at me, and they've been hitting me. <laughs> Every prayer he didn't like, he's been throwing at me. <laughs> Hit the... <laughs> That happens to me. I don't accept that. I don't accept that prayer. Quit praying like that. When you start seeking, he'll start throwing stuff at you. Because I was praying, God, let your glory fill the church. He threw it back to me. Ouch. What is the problem? He said, I don't determine how much glory is in your church. You determine how much glory is in your church. Your people determine how much glory is in your church because I have to have a human and I have to flow through you. So when you're full of glory and you come to church, the level, somebody help me, begins to rise. 
Your prayer's all messed up. So today, I come to defend my God. Even though it's making me look really weak. Yeah, when I began to study all this, I said, oh my God. I thought I was a powerhouse. But I'm weak. And you are weak. And devils are doing what they want to do. And they don't obey us no more. Because they don't respect us no more. Because when they look in my eyes, they don't see Jesus. They see Dean. And I talk about how bad I want all of this stuff. And I pray a 20-cent prayer and want a $20 answer. Because I'm his child and he just loves me. You got all that right. But he is not an enabler. He's not an enabler. So it all boils down to this. What you going to do about it? I knew it was going to come to this. Why not use every failure as an opportunity to get stronger? Kobe listens to, he's intrigued with healing because he's an evangelist. And evangelists bring miracles wherever they go. And he listens to a guy, and he told me one time, they asked that guy the question, what do you do? He was a healer, Todd White. He was a healer on the streets. I mean, this guy's crazy maniac. He said, what do you do if I don't get healed? He said, well, I just use that as an opportunity to know I need to get a little stronger. I was so impressed that he didn't say, Maybe God didn't want to do it that time. I understand there may be a rule of thumb of some sort. And I just say maybe, because I'm not there completely. I'm not there completely. But I know one thing, it's time for Life Church to take our position and start giving the devil hell. And that we come to church rejoicing, Pastor, you ain't going to believe what happened. Demons are obeying me. I find somebody oppressed by devils and I just command him in the name of Jesus to take his filthy head and they go off rejoicing, loving on Jesus. Do y'all understand? I'm not exaggerating. I'm telling you how the early church worked. But we're letting failure turn into an opportunity to accuse God and question his character. And Jesus is standing before you today saying, come on, help me, Courtney. Jesus is standing before you saying, you do err, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. Because if God had his way, matter of fact, I ain't going to make you stand yet because I may talk a little bit. We'll just let her real soft. I can go back to the book of Genesis and see what God's will is for life. And it was that man would never die. Man would never get sick. Man would never be separated. That was God's will. And Satan took the title deed, I mean Adam did, and traded it for some self-glory. 
So God said, I'm going to win it back. So he made a second Adam who was a life-giving spirit. And he came and blew into you some power and authority. Can I help you right now? It seems like Christians' minds are geared to go into condemnation. So we can't embrace conviction. And then we got some shallow accountability partner who will talk you out of your condemnation instead of teaching you what conviction is. Today, I pray conviction set in and you say, I'm not strong enough. What if we as individuals started getting so strong that the church didn't grow because of a good service on Sunday. It grew because you was out there commanding devils. I'm, I'm, I think you ought to vote. I think y'all ought to do all that. But the battle we in can't be won at a voting box. It can only be won in a secret place with God. They that know their God shall do great exploits. Let's lean in and say like Paul, Oh, that I may know you and the power of your resurrection. Oh, let's keep going. And the fellowship of your suffering being made conformable unto your death. You want to be resurrected in power to rule? You got to have the power to die. And stand on your graveside, uh, Kobe, your testimony. And mourn your own death so that Christ can be resurrected and I can start commanding some things. I want to give you one little word of pastoral admonition right now because I believe I've stirred somebody to start moving in this direction. Before you start commanding devils, start off with commanding your attitude. Start off. I got a teaching that that I taught. Well, I didn't get into it with fivefold, but yeah. Go ahead and start off commanding your bad tempers, uncontrolled tongue. Go ahead and take control of this kingdom so that kingdom can flow. Can you, are, are y'all ready to start? Have I have I put up a good defense of the character of God? Listen to this. Let me tell you how Jesus feels. You think you're disappointed because prayers are not answered? Let me show you how Jesus feels about it. Very few times I see Jesus getting aggravated in Scripture, but it's there. One time is when the storm, Jesus was in the bottom of the boat sleeping and the storm was coming, and they wake Jesus up and said, you, do you, look, don't you care? Wow. Don't you care? There it is again, questioning Jesus. Jesus walks up to the bow of the ship, says, peace be still, and turns around and says, how long am I going to be with y'all? Why didn't you do what I just done? Another time, he was standing at the tomb of Lazarus, and the Bible says he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. That means he snorted in aggravation. 
I heard one preacher preach, he was angry at death. The devil is a liar. He let him die. Remember? <laughs> he didn't walk up to the grave and start acting mad. He told the disciples, he said, I'm glad I wasn't there because he's not asleep, he's dead, but God's finna get the glory out of this, right? But he snorted with anger because they were saying, one day in the great by and by, this is going to be taken care of. Jesus was agitated because he had done so much and they still weren't believing. That's how God feels about unanswered prayers. Stand with me all over this place. Now listen to me. I just unloaded some theology that maybe you've never saw it from this perspective before. And if you don't right now spiritually ingest this, you're going to leave here like I just preached another sermon. I didn't just preach another sermon. I just set the direction for you as an individual and us at Life Church. There's no other way to put it or to cover it up or to sugarcoat it. When it comes to destroying the worst or the devil, it's about power. Who is stronger? Me. When I say me, I mean my faith or the devil. And you will only know who's the strongest by who walks off with the prize. The stronger will spoil his goods. That's heavy stuff, ain't it? It's heavy stuff, but God said, here, here's the keys. Whatever you allow, it's going to be allowed. But whatever you stand up, some of you need to go home and start taking control. Start taking control. Devil, you spirit of oppression, you spirit of depression, you spirit of destruction, you're not living here anymore. I believe that you've received enough revelation that your prayer is about to change. I believe it's got to change or you didn't hear me today. From asking God to do anything to standing in the stead of God and demanding and commanding. I don't know if I finished that statement that Brother Kyle told me. He said, I've seen Jesus doing a lot of praying, but when he got in the public, he was constantly declaring he was constantly just saying what God said. You know why? Because he heard it in prayer. Maybe we're not spending enough time in prayer to hear what God is really saying about the situation, so we'll roll the dice. I tell you, when you really know what God thinks about it, you won't quit until it's done. There's some people in this building tonight, this morning, that wants to be a part of this kingdom. That wants to be a part of this kingdom. And right now, while we're meditating on this sermon, these altars is open to you. Don't wait another day. Come. God wants to fill you with the power of the Holy Spirit of the living God. He wants to begin to use you. Others that are making up your mind, others that are beginning to make up your mind right now, I want to be stronger. These altars is open to you right now. Amen. They open to you right now. Not that you got to come to the altar. I just want you to get a hold of this truth. I got to become stronger. I got to become stronger. I got to become stronger. Of course, unless you're just content. I can't be content anymore. I don't want to misrepresent God anymore. But if you don't do anything else, Life Church, hear this pastor right now. 
From now on, I have snatched from you every excuse to blame God. I have taken the word and pulled them excuses out of your head. So I have taken the arsenal of the devil away from him and he can't shoot you anymore with accusations of God. What you going to do, life church? What you going to do, brother? What you going to do, sister? There's power available to you. Power available to you. Are you going to go after it? Come on, come on. Yeah, no, 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 no. Are you going to go after it? Are you going to go after it? Are you going to die? Are you going to push your plane back? You're going to fast. You're going to pray. My God, my God, my God. My God, in the name of Jesus. Shalom. Listen to this. While you're asking the question, God, how can you let so much bad stuff happen? God in heaven is saying, how can you let so much bad stuff happen? While you're wondering why God is allowing the devil to take lives every day, God is in heaven saying, why are you allowing the devil to take your communities? That's what God's saying. Why? When I have made all the power you need available to you. Turn it, Father. Turn it, Father, until we assume responsibility. My God, there's a spirit of prayer right now. Tap into it. Tap into it. Right where you're standing, right where you're kneeling. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, such as I have, such as I have, such as I have, I give, such as I have, I give. Freely you have received, freely give it. You have received it, freely give it. Oh, I feel prayer rising in this building. Pray, pray, pray. <laughs> If you're not comfortable praying, you'll never put on strength. Hey! Oh, I feel it, Josh. I feel it. I feel it. Ask God to give you the desire. Give me the desire. Give me the desire, Lord. Give me the desire, Father. Oh, give me the desire. Give me the desire in the name. I will not relent. I will not relent. Hey, hey. My God, I feel a stirring. I feel a stirring. I feel a stirring. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Something is happening. Come on, prayer warriors. Something is happening. Something is happening. I want to know you, Jesus. 
I want to know you, Jesus. I want to know you, Jesus. Lean in. Lean in. Lean in. Lean in, church. Thank you for listening to this Live Church Podcast. 